Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Yeah, I think about uh, just the panic that you've tempted to feel if you're sitting there in, in, in New Orleans right now. And I've never felt that kind of panic. I had moved away from Charleston before Hurricane Hugo hit. And so I wasn't there when, when, when Hugo hit. But the, the, the greatest time of panic really in my life that I can imagine, my son Cameron, some of y'all know Cameron, he's, he's uh, 20. He's in his mid-20s. I'm not going to even guess how old that kid is off the top of my head. He's in his mid-20s, let's say 25, and he was almost born on 285. We had just moved to Covington. We were living beside the Church of the Nazarene, and our doctors were in Riverdale. And so we're leaving the house, and Tracy uh, had a contraction. Her water broke. She had a contraction. I said, okay. We got in the car. Then two minutes later, she says, I'm having another contraction. And I said, no, you're not, because, you know, I've had plenty of contractions myself, you know. And I said, no, you're not. You, you can't be having another contraction, you know. And now we're, I mean, now we're flying. This is, you know, a long time ago, and we're, 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 we're booking down the road, and we're down. I remember we were in front of uh, Country, uh, whatever, uh, that, that restaurant uh, uh, on, on I-20. We were in front of it, and she, she's just, man, she's just really pregnant, and, and, and about to not be pregnant, you know, and so, and then this highway, I'm doing 95, and this highway patrolman just comes up beside us, looks over, and he just keeps on going. And so anyway, we called 911, we had a bag phone, we called 911, and, and they said, I said, hey, listen, my wife's pregnant, and they said, sir, pull over, and we'll send the ambulance. I said, I'll, I'll pull over when I see an ambulance panic, which made no sense. We finally made it. We, the hospital had a gurney waiting for us, and she delivered on that gurney with, with her jewelry and all. I mean, we were in the hospital maybe three minutes, and, and she delivered that baby. I was in full panic mode. They told me they would teach me how to deliver a baby. Anyway, and maybe I should have gone that route. But, but I didn't. But I, I, I was in full panic mode. Matter of fact, it took me the longest time. I could not turn down 285 South. I avoided 285 South for the longest time because the few times that I did drive on it, that I would feel that sense of panic again. It, it was that, that stressful. What causes you to panic? Let me tell you what, what, what's going on when you do panic. There's, there's this little part uh, of your brain called the, uh, the amygdala, and it's responsible for, for your emotions, and it's responsible for your survival instincts. You've heard of fight or flight. Well, that's the amygdala, man. When, when all of a sudden you're threatened, that, that fight or flight, and let's be honest, I was in flight mode when all that was going on, okay? But that fight or flight kicks in, and it makes you ready for action. It can make you ready for action. And it's great. But, but the problem with it is this, it's not objective at all. It can respond to a situation like I was in 
or your wife is getting ready to deliver on, on 285, or it can respond that way when you think about your wife almost delivering on 285. The amygdala can, can kick right back in and dump all that adrenaline back into the body. It responds the same way. If you think your bank account's overdrawn, and all of a sudden you feel that tightness in your, in your chest or in your stomach, and all of a sudden you think you're going to panic, you can thank the amygdala. If all of a sudden you all of a sudden you walk into class, and all of a sudden there's a pop quiz, and you didn't know anything about it, and that panic jumps in, that's your amygdala. Well, the problem is, again, it's not objective, and it can dump so much uh, adrenaline into the body, which can lead to, to anxiety. Now, you've got another part of the brain. Now, you've got to understand this. This brain is made by God. Just because it's, we, we think the body's not spiritual, but this is created by God. Your brain is created by God. Well, you've got the front part of the brain where your, your, your prefrontal cortex lives, and it's very objective. It's the part of your brain that, that when I do go down 285, it's going, Scott, Scott, your wife's not pregnant. She's not going to deliver on 285. You can do this. It goes and it tells the amygdala, hey, don't worry about this. You got this. And the prefrontal cortex helps you make level-headed decisions. Well, let's, we understand what's happening now. But situationally, what causes you to panic? What is it that, that throws you into that fight or flight mentality? A lot of times it's not one thing, but it's one more thing. It's not just one thing, but it's one more thing. We, we've been going through COVID now. You know, it seems like coming up on two years, we, we've been going through this COVID and now all of a sudden, I don't know about y'all, but Jasper County, well, I do know about y'all, but Jasper County, we're back into virtual schools. Well, guess what? That was that one more thing, you know? We got three kids at home, and we love our kids, don't get me. But I love school too, people, all right? You know, I'll never forget when we got the, the, the email last Sunday night, hey, school is now virtual for the next uh, week or so. What is, what is it for you when it, when it piles up? I don't know about you, but I think a lot of us have said this lie before. Man, I, I'm done. I, I've had enough. And I don't know if it was in a, a rocky marriage. I don't know if it's a rocky season. I don't know if it's the loss of a loved one on top of everything else. But all of a sudden, we can say, you know what? I'm done. I, I've had enough. I would venture to say that every single one of us in this room have said that at one time or another. And here's been my experience, and I believe it's probably your experience as well. When we believe this lie, we lose sight of God's presence and we forfeit His peace. I do believe that you have endured and I have endured. There's been times that have been so difficult and so hard that physically and maybe mentally and maybe even emotionally, we were done. But the problem is we, we forget his goodness. We forget his, he's God, that he's God over all time and, and all events, all things good and all things bad, that he is God and he is more powerful than anything. It's, we forget Charles Spurgeon said this, there beats a heart in heaven that always loves us, a, a tongue that always pleads for us, and a 
arm that always fights for us. So if this is your your first time here, you've, you've heard we're wrapping up a series today called Lies We Believe. And we did this series because studies came out saying that 80% of our thoughts are negative. 80% of our thoughts are negative. And they're reoccurring thoughts. They're not like 80, you know, not 80% of them are separate thoughts. No, there's probably three or four, just maybe one that we, we play over and over and over in our head. And because of the way the brain operates and the habits that it builds, they become cyclical and we just spiral down, even if they're not true. And the problem with that is Craig Rochelle said this, and he wrote a book, and it really it was the impetus for this, this whole series. I encourage you to read the book, Winning the War in Your Mind. But he said this, our lives always move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So if I'm believing a lie, you better believe that's the direction my life's going in. And the results will prove that. My emotions will prove that. My actions will prove that. Or my lack of action will prove that. King James used to say it this way, as a man thinketh, so is he. So what do we do? Here's the verse we've been looking at every single week, and I'm going to read it one more time. And don't ever let Scripture get old to you because it's familiar. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let God transform you. Let him transform me into a new person by changing the way we think. He says, then you'll know God's will for you, which is good and is pleasing and is perfect. But understand this. This is a battle. And I've said this every week, and I debated, do I say it one more time? But, but you need to know that, that we have a very real enemy that wants to kill, steal, and, and destroy. He, he's a thief. He's a liar. And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy the, the life of Christ in us and destroy us. And he's going to do it because he's the father of all lies. That's why he does it. And he's going to do it through lies. Church, if you're watching online, There is no room for passivity. There there is no room for for neutrality. There there is no room for that. Because you're either winning the battle or you're losing the battle. And so I want to encourage you with this. Man, get engaged. And we talked about this. I've got mine in my back pocket this morning. I want to challenge you. This is our, our last Sunday. Man, if you're not memorizing God's Word taking a verse from one of the sermons, or taking a verse that that speaks to you uh, during your own time in the Lord, I want to say, hey, guard yourself with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you'll be able to defeat these lies. So, Scott, you're saying changing my, my life is as easy as changing my thinking? Yes. It begins there. It, it begins there. All right? Think truth. Think Scripture. Think the truth of Scripture. So today we're going to wrap up with this. Uh, I'm done. I've had enough. And we're looking at the Old Testament. We're looking at Elijah. If you want to turn to 1 Kings if you, or if you want to pull it up on your app. Now here is a man of God created for that time in history. Here's a prophet who's confronted this 
evil King Ahab and about his sin, and he prophesied about this impending drought. He's not popular by, by the king at all or even Israel, and he's infuriated this king threatened to kill Elijah, but the prophet managed to, to um, escape his hunter and eventually even confronted 850 false prophets and finally emerged as victorious. You'd think he would be on this super celebratory high. But listen to what, the king had a wife, and her name was Jezebel, and she was infuriated. And here's what it says in, in verse 2. Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as I as you killed them. Now listen, he just killed 850 prophets. He just escaped from this king. You would think he would be on top of the world, but listen to his response. Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and left his servant there. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. And he came to this moment, this man of God, created for that moment in time. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And here's his words. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Have you been there? So I, I, I talk with a lot of people. And whether it's a counseling appointment or, or um, I'm on the phone with them and they're in the hospital um, or I bump into them in town, whatever. And I've heard this phrase more than I've ever heard it or, or some version of this phrase. I'm done. I've had enough. Now, this is hard to believe about Elijah. Because, again, he just came off this incredible victory, right? But he is to the point of mental and physical exhaustion. And you know what happens when we get to that point? All our problems seem bigger than they really are, and they're all that we can focus on. And when you and I focus on our problems, here's the problem with that. We lose focus on God. When we focus on our problems and when we talk about our problems and all we think about is our problems and we lose focus on God, whether it be COVID, whether it be life, whether it be health, whether it be a hurricane, whether it be Afghanistan, virtual school. And when we focus on our problems and we lose focus on God. And life is hard. And again, on top of all that, we've got an enemy that wants us to forget who God is. And that you and I, I want you to understand this. Elijah was created for that time in history. You and I are created for this time in history. You may not have to face 850 false prophets and, and kill them with a sword. I hope you don't have to do that. But if you do, I hope you win. But I do know this. You are a man of God and you are a woman of God created for this time in history. And the enemy wants you to forget that. He wants you to focus on your problems so you can forget God. And if we're not careful, we can fall into a, a deep, dark depression like Elijah did. 
Verse 5. Then he lay down and slept. For many in the room, this needs to be your memory verse. (laughs) He lay down and slept. You know what? Write it down. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him to get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days. and 40, That's incredible water and bread. But 40 days and, and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, to the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I, I do think it's very important. When times are, are stressful and life is hard, you and I underestimate, most of us do anyway, we underestimate the need for proper sleep and diet. We do just the opposite. When things are hard, we, we tend to want to number ourselves. We want to stream Netflix, get on social media, watch television, you know, whatever it may be. We, we want to entertain ourselves and not think about it. And then we want to, I want to eat junk food, not the rest of you. But, man, don't we just want to meditate or, or medicate instead of meditate? Sometimes we just want to medicate what we're going through. I've suffered depression. I'll never forget almost a well, it preceded the year that was the hardest for me. But I'll never forget it. And I'm tell you what, what gave me the victory. God's word. God's word. I, made, I had to identify lies that I was believing and, and all of a sudden re- focus on God's word. I had to change my thinking. That's where it started. I had God's people. I'm in Celebrate Recovery. We had a depression group. I'm around these people that that are like-minded, that that were thinking like me, that are on the same path as me. I had an accountability partner, a counselor. I practiced confession. I had safe space. And I got started working on my sleep and my diet. Obviously, I didn't go haywire. But many of us in this room were exhausted and we're in need of proper sleep. Now, you may be a preschooler, a mom of preschoolers, or you may be a mom of preschoolers in here right now, but you may be watching online. I'm going to tell you what you need because I'm going to tell you there's not a harder role in life than being the mom of preschoolers. I've watched it. 30 years of doing ministry, I've, I've, I've had mothers come to me and say, Scott, I'm not doing good spiritually. And, I, and I'm just da-da-da. And I'm like, you're not sleeping. I mean, when they tell me what's going on. And I'm going to tell you, church, what, if you know a mother of preschoolers, I'll tell you what they need right now. They need the church to come around them and, and help them. They, they, they need that. S- single moms especially need that. Man. You need someone to keep your kids, and you just need to go to sleep. The most spiritual thing a lot of us in this room could do is take a nap. Not right now. But you you really could just take a nap. 
Also, what happens when we get overwhelmed? I'm just going to speak for all of us, but maybe you don't fall into this category. You are the one person. But when I get stressed and I go overwhelmed, I eat poorly. I love me some Chick-fil-A. And that mac and cheese, it tastes like heaven. It might be from hell, but it, it, it tastes like heaven. And chocolate, don't even get me started. We have switched to dark chocolate. The problem, though, is a lot of these foods, they break down into sugars. And do yourself a favor and Google the relationship between depression and sugar. I'm not anti-sugar. But there's times you need to abstain from it. And when you're going through a hard time, that's when we want it the most. The enemy is always tempting us with what's good. Listen, sugar's not necessarily evil. It's not. Netflix is not necessarily evil. But when we want to use it to comfort ourselves instead of the Holy Spirit, which is His role, all of a sudden, not only our problems make us forget God, but our entertainment makes us forget God. Listen, if you're at the end of your rope, yes, you need God's Word, and yes, you need God's people, and you need to get some sleep. And you need to pay attention to your diet. But listen, physically fit does not equal spiritually fit. I, I, I want to be clear with that. Just because you do those things, that, that does not mean you're spiritually fit. Let's get back to the Scripture. When he was rested and, and nurtured, it says this, there he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave, and a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said his name twice. He asked that question twice. Elijah's name should have been an ever-present reminder of the ever-present God because El in Elijah is short for Elohim, which means God. The I means my, and Yah is Israel's way of shortening Yahweh. His name literally means Yahweh is my God who is over all things, greater than all things. And even as crazy as it seems, in charge of all things. But he whispered it to him. Can you imagine maybe a little bit of panic when there was a fire, an earthquake, and a wind, and I mean, rocks are falling down? But he whispered. Why did he whisper? The Lord whispers because. He's near. 
Think about it. Somebody's whispering to you, what do you do? You, you lean in. They're probably sitting next to you. Probably have their face next to your face. The Lord whispers because He is near. The Lord whispers because He's near. I know life is hard. Maybe your marriage seems destined to fall. Maybe, maybe online you're sitting here and you're watching this and, and you, you've got problems that just seem insurmountable. Or maybe it's you in this room. Maybe kids are making life difficult. But you're plagued with illness. Finances are still tight. You feel alone. Or maybe it's all of the above plus more. And the lie is this. I'm done. I've had enough. You know what Elijah found out? This. When I've had enough, Jesus is enough. When I've had enough, man, Jesus is enough. Elijah didn't need to die. He didn't need his problem solved. He didn't. He needed God. He needed to be reminded of who God was. Here's what you need to be reminded of, that you are a man or a woman or a student created in this time in history for this purpose, for this time. What you need is not more Netflix, and what you need is not more Chick-fil-A mac and cheese. What you, what you need is remember who Jesus is. When we've had enough, and Jesus is, is enough, his soul needed a rest that only God could provide. He didn't change his circumstances. He needed something only God could provide. Today, I believe this. Especially with all the craziness in our world, you and I need to slow down. And we need to listen carefully for God's voice. We need to listen carefully for that whisper. But you have to get quiet. And you have to listen intently. Now, here's the beautiful thing that we have. We have the written Word of God, whether it's on an app or it's actually in a Bible. Listen, we have the Word of God. And we can read the Scripture slowly waiting for him to speak, or we just go to him in prayer. And we're just quiet before him, recognizing that he is God. And we're his child. God whispers because he's close. And I want you to know this, no matter what you've ever said, no matter what you've ever done, no matter what you've ever thought, you're God's child if you've trusted Jesus Christ. And he's close to you. He's close to you, and he wants to minister to you. He wants to give you a, a rest in Jesus like you've never experienced. If you're ready to quit, I want you to listen to the Apostles Paul's encouragement to you. He says in Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, 
He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, again, this is a guy that's writing from a prison cell. If anybody ever thought, hey, I'm done, you know, I've had enough, it's Paul. But here he is, he writes these letters. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And this is what he says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God in the peace of God. Is what we want, right? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Listen to Jesus' words to you. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying to you and to me, come to him. That's what he's saying. Let him instruct you in this season in life. Let his yoke lead you. Let him comfort your soul. And what does that look like? It's just stopping. It's just stopping and being still. When we've had enough, when we've had enough, Jesus is enough. When we've had enough, Jesus is enough. And so, church, I want to say this. Let's just take a moment. Just take a moment and let the words of Paul, maybe this is a time where you, maybe that verse just for some reason opened up when you've heard a ton. Just take a moment and focus on the fact the Lord is near. And because he's near, Jesus says, come to me. If you're weary and heavy burdened, I will give you rest for your souls. Father God, my prayer is this. Lord, I believe with all my heart that those watching online, that those in this room, Father, those that are believers that are neither, Father, I believe this, though. You created us for this time and this place to to bring you glory, to, to point other people, whether it be family and friends to Jesus, Father, whether it be strangers to Jesus, Father, to do acts of, of kindness, acts of ministry, God. And, Father, we we can get so discouraged, Father. I know I can. Father, I thank you, Lord, that when we've had enough, the truth is Jesus is enough. And I pray, Father, that he would minister now in a way that is unhumanly impossible. He would gather our attention. We would see his greatness. We would feel the love of his spirit. He would calm our souls, and he would be all we could see. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening today. 
If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you, we love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.